you guys can have a seat. It's my turn for a few minutes. God didn't give me any musical talent, so I got to take a break while these guys do their thing. Uh, well, while, while my table's coming, just want to get a feel, because like I said, the, the crowd is very unfamiliar. It's probably going to be that way even for months as we get a feel for, for who's around and who's coming. Thank you, Adam. Um, so I just kind of want to get a feel for who's out there. Um, by a show of hands, if you are from Milan, like your address says Milan, Michigan, would you just throw your hands up so we can see? Awesome. Awesome. Lots of locals. All right. Beautiful. Uh, let's say uh, outside of Milan, but kind of within the area. So if it was like no more than a 15 or 20 minute drive for you, but you're outside of Milan, but still within range, would you throw your hands up? Awesome. Very well represented as well. All right. Now, I know there's a few. I, I've got some family here from out of town. How, how many, like, you're not from Milan, it's not close, uh, you're not coming back. Uh, <laughs> So let's say, let's say over 20 minutes, maybe 30-plus minute drive to get here. Anybody from, from outside that circle? Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Go Buckeyes. What? I'll tell you what. We didn't send any mailers to Ohio. I want to promise you that. In case you're wondering where our loyalties lie, uh, he's an accident, okay? Um, not, like, not like you are an accident, but your presence here might be an accident. I, I never want to question anyone's uh, value here in this world. Um, well, you're getting a little, I guess, you know, accidentally getting a little bit of a taste of what you might expect from me on a weekly basis. Um, but I, I, I speak the language of sarcasm. We'll get to that a little bit later. But just wanted to get a feel for where everybody's coming from. Thanks for coming out. This is a really exciting morning uh, for myself, for my wife, Kathy, and our whole launch team, just as we've been preparing and praying and trying to figure out what this might look like on a Sunday morning and we're starting to get an idea. So thanks for coming out. Um, uh, it, it was interesting trying to figure out where to go, because how often in your life do you get to start a church? Uh, hopefully just once. Uh, but trying to figure out, okay, the first day of a first-time church, what do you speak on? And, and I think, uh, you know, the, the common thing is you, you hit the vision, you hit the mission of the church, let everybody know what you're up to, um, and just, you know, our mission is to, is to see family trees transformed by the gospel. And so that's going to encompass everything that we do. We're going to say yes to a lot of great opportunities because of that mission. We're going to say no to some great opportunities because of that mission. And so we're really going to be fleshing out what that looks like to see God work in families, see family trees absolutely transformed by what he can, what he can bring. Um, but I, I really felt like we've got time to get to that. Um, there will be plenty of sermons from here till whenever God says stop. And so as I thought about what today needed to look like, um, I thought back on, on some of the training that we went through, some of the advice that we were given, and, and we were told that really opening day is a chance to see a lot of faces who are coming to check it out. Maybe they got the mailer, maybe they heard from a friend, maybe they saw it on Twitter or something. And, and statistics show you know, and we're going to do our best to make you feel welcome enough to, to come on back next week and the week after, but statistics show that many people who come to the first day of a brand new church, they're there for, you know, just a, they're, they're from the town, so they want to come check it out. They want to see what everybody's doing. Maybe they're friends or family, and they just want to see what's going on, and then they go back to wherever they were from. You know, my parents are here. They live an hour away. They're not coming back. Um, I mean, they love me, but I mean... Mom's got to come to the first day, right? Uh, and so just, just over the, for whatever reason, 
a lot of people stop in for the first day and then and then don't come back. And so m- my thought shifted from vision mission stuff to, to something, and I thought, man, if, if I had one opportunity to share my heart with a group of people that may or may not come back, what would I say? Um, and then that gets into a rabbit hole of all the things you could say if you had one chance. And, and I settled on, you know what? Our family and our launch team has been through a tremendous journey over the last few months and, and even for the last year as God started to plant the seed of this idea. And so we've experienced quite a bit of things. And so there's one thing that I settled on that I want to hit today. And I'll tell you up front, I never thought that I would utter this word in church. Uh, don't worry. I know there's kids here. I'm not going to get too crazy. But the, the word I'm going to start the first sermon on the first day of Fieldstone Church is one that you talk about in seminary, you talk about it with your, your Bible-obsessed friends and just argue about. Never thought I would use it as a talk, but, but it'll make sense eventually. The word I want to start with is dispensationalism. Dispensationalism, okay? Uh, now, here's the thing about dispensationalism. If you don't know what that is, you're in the right spot, okay? Because we're not going to talk about dispensationalism on a weekly basis, I don't have the knowledge to talk about it on a weekly basis, and quite frankly, I don't have the interest in talking about it on a weekly basis. But for today, it works. And just to give you a basic idea of what dispensationalism is, uh, as you look back on human history, and and more specifically, if you see a difference between the two, biblical history, uh, many biblical scholars look at Scripture and see different dispensations throughout it. And the idea is that during different segments of time, God interacts with, uh, has expectations of humanity that are different depending on the dispensation you're looking at. So, for example, a real easy one. Think about the Garden of Eden. It's Adam and Eve, it's the animals, it's trees, it's nature that they're, they're leading. There, it's, it's pretty evident in Scripture that there was a very personal, um, even like a face-to-face relationship that they had with God where he would walk in the garden with them, he would interact with them, uh, they would do life together. And then, of course, sin came, and they messed up with the, with the tree. They got kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And God's interaction with Adam and Eve in the garden was very different than God's interaction with Adam and Eve and the rest of humanity outside of the garden. So they would call that two different dispensations, different interactions with God, different expectations, different ways that God would speak to them. Uh, it's similar to um, lots of kids in the building today. Those of you whose, whose kids have grown up a little bit, certainly you interact with your toddler and have different expectations of your toddler than you would a teenager. Some of you might have teenagers where those are kind of close expectations. I don't know. Spent a lot of years in student ministries. So we've seen a lot of teenagers who you just want to, you know, you want to spank them, right? Uh, wh- however. But, uh, but certainly things change as they get older. Same with your marriage relationship. For those of you who are married, the way you interact with your girlfriend or boyfriend is very different than you interact with a husband or wife. There's a, there's a shift that happens there. And in, in some ways, you enter into a new dispensation. And so that's kind of the basics of it. And like I said, we're not coming back to that. If you want to talk dispensationalism, um, I'm not the guy. However, if you wanted to, you know, take my wife and I to Ruth's Chris, buy us a steak, I'll do some research. We'll have a good long conversation about dispensationalism. But outside of that scenario, we're probably not going to get into it. But uh, what you can expect from me in the future is a lot of sarcasm, um, uh, hopefully some life experiences, hopefully some self-deprecating stories. Uh, and ideally, the goal is 
to communicate some timeless biblical truth in relevant ways. And so that's what you can expect. You cannot expect dispensationalism. But it's been a crazy year for Kathy and I, and, and for those that are closest to us, where we've ventured into something we never thought that we would venture into. This past year, we, we left a great spot where we were serving. We, we stepped into the unknown. We stepped out of an area of expertise into an area where no one, I mean, how often do you think about the start of a church? You drive by all the churches in, in, in town and across the country. Somebody started those, and I never thought about the start of a church. And so to enter in that was pretty crazy. And, and the reason we did that, I can genuinely say the reason we chose to do this is because we believed God was telling us to. And there's, there's a rabbit hole of discussion there, too, when you start talking about hearing from God and, and having him speak to you and spending time with Jesus and, and trying to explain that and, and, and what that looks like. And, you, okay, I heard him, but it wasn't audible, and I'm spending time with him, but I don't see him right now, that kind of a thing. And so there's a lot that goes to that, but we, we felt like, like we had kind of entered a new dispensation in our lives. Like dispensationalism was being lived out in our everyday life where we entered into a time where our understanding of God, our interactions with God, took on a whole new dimension. Like, like just completely new level, completely new stuff. And there was so much uncertainty in the last year, so many questions, so many scary decisions, but we honestly and truly believed that we were taking steps based on God's direction. And that was a huge thing for us. And, and that mattered because a year ago, as we wrestled with the, this decision, as it was just a little seed of an idea, we were in a situation where as our path was being altered, we needed to hear from God. Not just like in general, like I think God wants us to do this. Like we genuinely needed to hear from God or this ain't happening. It's too big, too scary too many insecurities, too many fears. So we needed to hear from God or it just wasn't going to happen. And I, I have to believe in a, in a crowd this size, just knowing many of you, knowing humanity itself, you've probably had situations in your life where you're feeling that same thing. Like we, we need that reassuring voice in our lives just to know that we're going to be okay, know that, that we're heading in the right path. Sometimes just to know that we're not crazy, right? We, we have those moments in life and we need that person that we trust, that, someone who's been there and done that, and they can, they can speak some encouragement into your life and give you some direction, invite you, maybe even push you into a new adventure. And throughout history, people have searched for answers from a higher power. They searched the stars, searched horoscopes, they've, they've, they've sought out their religious icons, they've done Ouija boards and things, and, which, by the way, as an aside, like the Ouija board thing, how many, how many movie previews do you have to see with a Ouija board where, like, the wall turns into a demon and, and swallows your friend. Like, at some point, you'd think Ouija board probably isn't a good idea. But people, people give it a try anyways. I don't know. I don't know. They, 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 they flip a coin, they, they t and, and, and many even seek out God himself. And there's so many stories, and I have to believe that you have your stories of when you needed to say, God, where are you? God, if you're there, I just need to hear something. God, give me a sign. If you're out there, just anything. I think there are just times in our lives when human-level resources aren't enough. They're not going to satisfy our questions. They're not going to satisfy our needs. And we need to hear from someone or something greater than ourselves. There's something inside humanity that needs to either hear from God or move on. And that was what we experienced over the last year. We needed to hear from God. And it's just like for us, it's a major turning point for people 
as they face a decision, as they, as they deal with uncertainty. And, and the great thing about all this is our family was not the first family to go through that. You are not the first person to have those questions and, and have those, those uncertainties and, and, and to need to hear from God. And so I want to look at a couple situations in Scripture where there were people in the Bible who dealt with situations where they, they felt like God was a little bit quiet. They felt like God was a little bit absent and they needed to hear from him. Okay, so I want to dig into that a little bit. The first one is in 1 Kings chapter 19, um, a situation where um, it's a guy named Elijah, a prophet in the Old Testament. And just as a basics of that, a prophet was someone who, uh, during that time, if God wanted to communicate with humanity, communicate with his people, he would speak through one of his prophets. So they would hear from God and they would communicate the message to God's people. This guy named Elijah was one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. And coming into 1 Kings 19, he had a tremendous experience where he came face to face with with some false prophets of some false gods and he challenged them and God asked him to speak on his behalf and they laid out these altars and it's a great story and and we'll probably preach on it someday but um, all the the false prophets do their altar and they get it all ready and they're calling out to their gods and Elijah builds his altar and he just has them douse it with water just soak the thing just impossible to light a fire and it turns out that God shows up The false prophets can't get theirs to light, and God comes in a consuming fire and consumes all of it. It's a tremendous moment, tremendous victory, not only for God, but for a guy like Elijah who had spent his life committed to what God wanted him to do. This was a mountaintop experience for him. So as you could imagine, like many mountaintop experiences that we have, you have to kind of come down from that a little bit. And as we go into uh, 1 Kings 19, that's what Elijah is experiencing. Uh, He's kind of in that moment where He's, he's experienced the big thing. Something awesome has happened. He's, he's heard from God. He's had a great God moment. And now he's being chased by those who are upset with him for, for doing what he did. And he's hiding in a cave. And God starts to call out to him. And, and so we'll pick it up in 1 Kings 19, starting in verse 9. And it says, The word of the Lord came to him, Elijah. He said, What are you doing here, Elijah? I imagine God looking at Elijah just thinking, everything that you've seen, everything you've experienced, now you're hiding in a dark cave. What, what are you doing here? And Elijah replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've put your prophets to death with the sword, and I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. It continues on. The Lord says, go out and stand on the mountain." In the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Elijah goes out, and he's, he's expecting to hear from the Lord here. It says, Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper, And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And so Elijah is coming off this mountaintop experience and he's hiding and he needs to hear from God. He just wants to know what's next. Just waiting for instructions, waiting to hear from this God who had showed up so big just days and weeks earlier. And so God says, hey, go out to the mouth of the cave, go out on the mountain, I'm going to pass by, I'm going to speak into your life. So he sends the wind and he's not there. He sends the earthquake. He's not speaking in the earthquake. He sends the fire. He's not speaking in the fire. But God ultimately speaks in the quiet of a whisper. 
And a lot of times we read this passage, and I've heard it preached before, where people say, God's not in the loud stuff. God's not in the fire. He's not in the earthquake. He's always in a gentle whisper. And a lot of times he is. But I don't think that's the message that we're being given here. I don't think that God is setting a standard, that he's, also, he's always going to speak quietly. He's always going to speak in a whisper. I think God's just trying to get Elijah's attention here where, yes, I was in the fire last time. I spoke very loudly last time. Sometimes I will be in the earthquake. Sometimes I will be in the wind. Sometimes I will be in the fire. But I'm speaking differently this time. This time, I want to speak to you in a whisper. And he wanted to encourage Elijah here, just because you don't see me in the fire like you did last time, just because you feel like I'm absent, just because you feel like I'm silent, doesn't mean that I am. It may be that I'm just interacting with you in a new way in a way that you didn't expect. The other situation I want to look at is uh, the transition, kind of an odd one, the transition between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So the Old Testament is full of God stories, full of God showing up, full of God speaking, speaking to his people, speaking to his people through the prophets, uh, books, uh, scrolls, all kinds of things. There's, there's move, counter move, there's action, reaction, there, there's obedience, disobedience, there's God leading throughout, full of God's interaction with his people. And then the Old Testament finishes, and all of a sudden there's nothing. There's nothing. And for 400 years, no one hears from God. No new scripture, no prophets. And I have to believe that the people of that time are probably asking questions that we would ask when we're not hearing from God, when we're not sensing anything. Probably asking, is, it, is God done? Does he still speak? Do we still need him? Probably thinking, we, we've been carrying on for 400 years now. Maybe, maybe we're all set. Maybe we don't need him. And God, for, for all intents and purposes, is silent for 400 years until we see Mary and Joseph and John the Baptist and Jesus come on the scene and the first scripture that we see after 400 years is the book of Matthew. So if you're looking back over history and you're studying this, this, uh, this story of God's people as it transitions from Old Testament to New and the New Covenant and Christ comes, and you, just, and you just pick up the Bible and you see 400 years, God speaks again in Matthew chapter 1, and this is the inspiration he opens with. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of... You, tell me when you want me to stop. Judah, the father of Perez. Certainly not the most motivational piece of scripture to come back from 400 years of silence. And there's a lot you can do there. There's a lot of meaning in the genealogies. And I'll be honest, as I've read through the Bible, I tend to skim those parts. It's a little bit tough to get through. But I think God is saying something under his breath there, where after 400 years, the people are asking, what is next? What, what's happening? Why would we start here? Where have you been all this time? And I think God is saying, yes, I wasn't speaking audibly. I wasn't writing new scripture, I wasn't speaking through the prophets, I wasn't speaking through thunder or even whispers, but I was still writing the story. I was speaking through the generations, preparing the world for my next word, weaving together a story that would change everything, the greatest story ever delivered to humanity. And I can see God saying, even though it came out of a season when everyone thought it was over, no more words, 
no more prophets, maybe no more kingdom to expect and anticipate. God was writing the prologue of the next volume, and he was writing it through the DNA of his people. And so for Elijah, for God's people as they experienced this transition, they had to make a major U-turn in their understanding of how God speaks and how God interacts, how he works, how he relates to us. He's not always in the fire, but it doesn't mean he's not working. They went 400 years without a prophet, but it didn't mean God was taking a break. And if his call on my life isn't found in the usual places and structures, it doesn't mean he isn't speaking. In the midst of whatever silence you've been living through lately, whatever uncertainty you might be facing, whatever frustration might be in your life right now, God is not absent. In the days before the flood, when it looked like everything was falling apart and humanity was a mess, where was God until he spoke into the life of a guy named Noah? In the centuries of slavery in Egypt, as God's people were stuck there, where was God until it was time to speak deliverance through a guy named Moses? And when the prophets were no more, God seemed silent for 400 years. Where was he? Until his words spoke loudly through the arrival of his son, Jesus. And in these 2,000 years since these scriptures have been compiled, as we've been wrestling with things, as, as humanity has been listening for God, waiting for a word, waiting for some direction to know that we're going in the right direction, that we're not crazy, that he's still there, that he still speaks, when I feel like there's something new for me, but the decision is just too much, or when the plans I have for my family and my kids are destroyed by pain and loss, when the dream job is taken away, when the bank account is a nightmare, when I'm all alone, where is God? Until he speaks into your life peace and forgiveness and love. He has not fallen silent. He has not abandoned his people. He's still writing stories in people's lives, stories in the lives of entire communities. And if there's nothing else you hear today, if you never step foot in this building again, whether you live an hour away or five minutes away, if this is the only opportunity that I have to look you in the eye and speak to you, please hear this. God still speaks. speaks through mentors, speaks through the inspiration of a song, speaks through the encouragement of a friend, speaks through the truth of scripture, and sometimes he speaks right from his spirit into our spirit. And we're, we're going to get into some of this direction and hearing from God. We're starting a series next week called Divine Direction, and it just kind of spins off this a little bit just because of what our family has been through, what we've experienced, what we've grown in. Uh, so it gets into a lot of discussion about what it means to hear from God, what it means to follow his direction. Does he give you specifics? Does he give you generalities? Does he trust you with some of the details? Um, and we'll get into a lot of that starting next week. But I want to give you one or two real practical things just as we go out from here when it comes to this idea of listening to God. And the first one is this. 
if you can't hear anything, it simply may be that God is speaking in a new way. He may just be speaking in a new, in a new way. You, as an individual, you as a family, may need to enter into a new dispensation in your life where just like Elijah had to experience that transition, just like God's people had to experience that transition into the New Testament, just, just like so many who have come before us, we have to recognize that he is speaking even if we don't currently hear it. Job 33, 14 says this, For God does speak, now one way, now another, though no one perceives it. He is speaking. And there are things that cloud that for us. Maybe there's some family history that you're dealing with that, that clouds what you're able to experience in here. Maybe it's a religious tradition that you've grown up with that just is kind of uh, clouding your mind a little bit. Maybe you need to say yes to something new this week. Maybe you need to, as your emotions are moved, as God lays something on your heart, maybe you need to jump into a Google rabbit hole and see where it takes you. That's how this came about. Somebody threw the idea out, and I jumped on Google and started researching it, and here we are, okay? It's crazy. Sometimes big things start with just a little rabbit trail in one direction or another. It's very possible that God has already spoken into your life everything you need to hear through Scripture. And now he wants you to use the discernment you have based on the wisdom and truth that he's provided there. It's possible that he's speaking right now and you're not listening or you're distracted. You're overrun by other noise. And so I want to challenge you. Eliminate the noise. Go without the music in the car for a while. Find some quiet. Eliminate any unwise influences in your life. Maybe there's sin in your life that is clouding what you're able to hear from God. Maybe there are hobbies that have gone from hobbies to priorities in your life that need to be scaled back a little bit. Maybe you're just busy. I want to challenge you. Plan some intentional quiet into your life so that you can hear from God, whether it's a whisper or something loud. Let him speak into your life and just give yourself a chance to hear because he's speaking. He just may be speaking in a way that you're not used to or you haven't listened to yet can be a powerful thing. And the second thing is this, and this is, this is really what we're all about here at Fieldstone. You're going to hear something like this every week in some capacity. It's that there's nothing you can do to make God stop calling your name. So many unfamiliar faces in the crowd today, but I don't know where you're coming from. I don't know what drew you here. I don't know what your background is with church or no church or whatever. But all of this begins... And none of this matters without a relationship with Christ. And whether you hear him, him or not, he will continue to call your name and chase you down and offer you unconditional love through his son Jesus who died on the cross for us. And that's where it all begins. And when we accept that, when we experience that, all of a sudden we can start hearing from him. 2 Corinthians 3.16 says that whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And that whole passage is talking about how, how hard it is to see Jesus sometimes, how hard it is to hear from him sometimes. But if we'll turn towards him, he will remove that veil and we'll see with new eyes and we'll hear with new ears. And it's only in Christ that we can see and hear and understand what he wants us to understand. So I want to take a second um, and I, wanna, I just want to pray with you. And, and if you're out there and, and you walk in and you... You've grown up in church and you've had a relationship with Christ for a while or whatever. That's fantastic. I would love for you in this moment to consider in your life, is God speaking into your life in some way? What's he asking you to do? What's he challenging you on? What's he trying to say? But maybe you're out there and, and this is a new thing. 
Maybe, maybe it's like, yeah, I never want to try church again, but from Milan, this church is in Milan. You know, if there was a new coffee shop, I'd try that too. And so you'd come wandering in and check out Fieldstone Church. Whatever reason you're here, I'm going to pray in a second. And, and I want to encourage you, if you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never acknowledged that he is God, that he came and lived a sinless life and died for you so that the junk in your life could be cleaned up and you could be forgiven and start fresh and hear from him in a brand new way. I'd love for you to pray that with me now. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. If that's you, just in the quietness of your heart, pray this with me. Say, God, I'm hearing from you now. I hear you. God, I need you in my life. I believe in Jesus. I believe he came to die for me. Forgive me of my sin. Make me new and speak into my life in a brand new way. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, if you prayed with me, if, you made any, if something strikes you today and God challenges you to take a step or make a decision or, or even if you gave your life to Christ this morning, uh, we'd love to hear from you. It, as I said, if you're fortunate enough to get a, a connection card, there's a place on that where you can check a little box and say, I gave my life to Christ for the first time today. I recommitted my life to Christ. Um, to, as we get towards the end of the service here, we're going we're gonna to pass some buckets and you can throw it in there. There's a box on the back table there. You can stick it in there if you need to. Let us know. Okay, we had fun getting this building ready. We had fun getting to know each other, building our team. We had a great time interacting with you this morning. But all of this is more than just a new club. It's more than just some fun thing to do on Sunday mornings. We're here so that you can experience Christ and that it can transform your family from the inside out. And so we want to pray for you. We want to partner with you in that. And so let us know if God's doing something in your life. We, we'd love to help you in, in any way that we can. Um, uh, let me pray for us and we'll move on to the rest of the service.